0: Welcome to the A Catholic Life Podcast. I am Matthew, the author of A Catholic Life, and I'm happy to welcome you to the fourth episode of A Catholic Life's new podcast. In today's episode, on the third Sunday of Lent, I'd like to go over a few different things, one of which is a recent article of mine entitled, There is No Salvation in Judaism, found on the Fatima Center's website at fatima.org. Two, and I think most importantly, I'd like to discuss the question a lot of people are asking themselves now. Can I eat meat on St. Patrick's Day if it falls during the Lenten season? What does the Church traditionally teach regarding this? Not modern but traditional. Three, I'd like to discuss a little bit of a recent article of mine as well, entitled, Who is exempt from the law of fasting or abstinence, especially as it concerns pregnant and nursing women, a question that has come to me several different times on Twitter and on Facebook. And lastly, I'd like to discuss the five holy wounds, a special votive feast celebrated in some places on Friday after the third Sunday in Lent. So, without further ado, before we begin topic number one, I'd like to spend just one moment thanking CatechismClass.com. CatechismClass.com has agreed to sponsor this episode of the A Catholic Life podcast. CatechismClass.com provides the very best in Catholic education for everyone, from kindergarten through lifelong Catholics. If you're looking to convert to the Catholic faith, learn your religion better go deeper into the liturgical year, catechize your children, and much, much more, please check out the very affordable, online, and convenient self-study courses put together by CatechismClass.com, all of which are, of course, in accordance with the traditions of the most holy Roman Catholic faith. Topic number one, there is no salvation in Judaism. This recent article of mine is something I wrote because, unfortunately, there's been a tendency in the Church— for some people, especially in the hierarchy, and priests to even assert that you can be saved in Judaism, as if Judaism, like Catholicism, can get you into heaven. This is manifestly false. The Catholic Church is solemnly defined at least three times by infallible declarations that outside of her, there is no salvation. That means there is no ability to enter heaven. The first of which, and the clearest of these dogmatic pronouncements was from Pope Eugene the Fourth in fourteen forty two, which was part of the Council of Florence, where he said in part, quote, The most holy Roman Church firmly believes, professes, and preaches that none of those existing outside the Catholic Church, not only pagans, but also Jews, and heretics and schismatics, can have a share in eternal life. End quote. He goes on to say more, you which you can read in more detail. Pope Innocent III, at the Fourth Lateran Council in 1215, similarly said, There is but one universal church of the faithful, outside of which no one at all is saved. These are not medieval inventions of a power-hungry hierarchy. The church has always taught this for the good of souls. In fact, nearly a millennium before Pope Eugene IV reigned, Bishop St. Fulgentius, who was alive between 468 and 533, stated, quote, Most firmly hold and never doubt that not only pagans, but also Jews, all heretics, and all schismatics who finish this light outside of the Catholic Church will go into eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels." It should also be stated that modern Judaism is not Old Testament Judaism. See the article for more information. I linked to a whole article on the topic that I wrote, really debunking that modern Judaism, which uses that name, is not the same religion that our Lord Jesus Christ knew at his time. It is a renunciation. It's a total... Uh, change from old Judaism, and it really was created as a repudiation for Christianity. The books, how the religion is practiced, in fact, there's no temple, there's a synagogue now, Uh, it's just an entirely different religion. So thus, I ask in the article, should Catholics try to convert Jews? And absolutely. The Church is called to bring about the conversion of every single human person. To support religious indifferentism, violates the first commandment, since by such port, we deny that there is one God through whom salvation alone comes. We deny, as St. Luke wrote in the book of Acts, quote, "...for there is no other name under heaven given to men, whereby we must be saved." End quote. And he was referring to the name of Jesus Christ. In fact, modern-day Jews like Muslims do not pray to the same God that we pray to, as Brother Andre explained in an article entitled, "...that we may know the true God." And it should also be stated, the Catholic Church is not and has never been anti-Semitic. We do not look into a person's skin color or ethnic background to judge them. Those who practice modern-day Judaism, whether they are of Semitic origin or not, are all called to salvation in the Catholic Church under the most holy name of Jesus Christ, outside of whom there is no salvation. And since our entire salvation depends on knowing, loving, and serving God in the Catholic faith, and the failure to do so leads to eternal suffering, why would someone refuse? So please, if you can... Please spend some time and think about ways you can evangelize the Jewish community. Two, I'd like to discuss briefly the question, a lot of people are asking themselves, can I eat meat on St. Patrick's Day? So St. Patrick's Day is always on March 17th, and this year falls on a Friday. Please visit a catholiclife.blogspot.com where I outline an article going over this question. First of all, I discuss how fasting and absence differ, because it's very important to understand that while they are related, they are different. Fasting refers to how much food we eat and historically when we eat it, but abstinence refers to the not eating of meat. Um, As I mentioned before, in times past, it would include dairy products, eggs, even fish, uh, shellfish. All of those were at certain times forbidden, but nowadays we're talking just about meat. That is the flesh meat of mammals or birds. Now I look at the Church's Law in 1917, 1962, and the modern Church Law um, from the 1983 Code, and all of which unwaveringly state that abstinence is mandatory on the Fridays of Lent. In fact, to intentionally violate Friday abstinence is a mortal sin. This is no small matter. In former times, actually, Catholic nations made the sale of meat a crime. As I discuss in The Definitive Guide to Catholic Fasting and Absence, my latest book on the topic, available on Amazon in paperback and in Kindle, 16th century England, uh, it was a crime. And you can read much more about that in the book, about the laws and the regulations regarding it and how that quickly changed when Protestants rose to power, but even for a while, how they kept it on the books. But back to St. Patrick's Day... For the Irish and for Irish-Americans, St. Patrick's Day is both a cultural milestone and traditionally a very significant spiritual day. Yet sadly, this element, the spiritual part, has been lost, which is unfortunately why so many feel it necessary to seek out dispensations from Friday abstinence on the feast day of a saint who, ironically, was a fearless champion of fasting. Now, the first record of dispensation from Lenten fast or abstinence on St. Patrick's Day came early in America's history. Now, keep in mind that at this time, all of Lent, aside from Sundays, were days of mandatory fasting for those between the ages of 21 and 60. And with the growing number of Irish immigrants to America in the early 1800s, special attention was given to dispense from fasting and possibly absence when St. Patrick's Day fell on a Friday. Again, this was at a time when all of Lent was fasting, that is all except Sundays, and all of Lent, including Sundays, were days of absence, where meat was was not allowed, or at this time, because we had partial absence, it was restricted and could only have certain days at the one meal, but not other times of the day with the snack of a frustulum or collation. Now, that first instance I found of a dispensation granted for this was to the Charitable Irish Society of Boston in 1837. Now, dispensations from fasting would become customary in the United States that bishops would issue, especially in Boston. Now, this particular dispensation in 1837 was granted on the condition that the diners would give a small sum to charity. And now, of course, this was in Boston, an epicenter of American Irish immigrants, not not throughout the country. But it should also be further stated, in Ireland, St. Patrick's Day was then a holy day of obligation. In fact, until basically around 1970— Um, bars would be closed in in Ireland. St. Patrick's Day was a holy day. And so, even in Ireland at this particular time, without special dispensation, it was still a mandatory day of fast and absence, because not even holy days of obligation would remove uh, the obligation of... Friday absence. And I go over this much more in the book, The Definitive Guide to Catholic Fasting and Absence. But this year, what we see is, again, we have a number of different dioceses coming out with statements saying they're granting a dispensation to eat meat on St. Patrick's Day, which is a Friday. Uh, Quite a number are saying no as well. Uh, To my surprise, Chicago has has indicated it will not grant a dispensation. Others are saying, yes, they will, on the condition that something else is done. You can visit a graphic that the Catholic News Agency put out. I link to that graphic and include a current picture of it, at least at the time of this recording in my recent article on A Catholic Life. So please check it out. But above all, remember, Modern Lent is no longer a 40-day fast. The days of absence for the average Catholic are appallingly few. In the past, roughly one-third of the year was absence. We would be violating the entire spirit of Lent by availing ourselves, even of a valid dispensation, from Lent and absence. It must be clearly stated that there is no incompatibility between fasting and abstaining and celebrating the saints. Even Sundays in Lent used to be days of absence, but not fast. So let us fasten up St. Always on St. Joseph's Day, on Annunciation Day, St. Patrick's Day, each year during Lent. Our adherence to and preservation of the traditional Catholic faith requires this. And even with fasting, it's possible to honor St. Patrick's Day with a loaf of traditional Irish soda bread, with praying the litany in honor of all Irish saints, with listening to some great music like All Hail Glory St. Patrick, a great favorite of mine. So please check out your local bakery, grocery store. See if you can get an Irish soda bread. See of ways you can honor St. Patrick as he would want to be honored. St. Patrick's Day is especially dear to me of somebody who is of Irish descent. But it's not a day I would ever, ever eat meat on a Friday in Lent. Third... Um, I'd like to go over very briefly. There was another recent article of mine in A Catholic Life called Who is Exempt from the Law of Fasting and Abstinence." I had a number of people ask me were pregnant women or nursing women um, exempted from fasting or absence and how did that change? Please read the article in detail because I quote... Um, a number of different older catechism, the Catechism of Perseverance from 1849, I quote Father Stephen Keenan's Catechism from 1846, uh, Bishop George Hayes' Catechism back from 1781. So these, these are older documents to show what the Church traditionally taught. And basically what it came down to is the Church traditionally notes as exempt from fasting, not abstinence, pregnant women, nursing women, manual laborers who would be physically unable to work given the strictness of the fasting, those seriously ill, that is, not those with minor things, not not I have an allergy problem or a basic cold, but true underlying medical conditions. For instance, we might think of cancer or diabetes or a serious case of the flu, Um, It should also be noted as an aside that the poor diet in many countries like the United States often falsely causes people to feel like they're ill with blood sugar issues when it's really just a poor diet that Lent is ultimately going to help correct because of the diet we impose on ourselves. So those seriously ill, make sure you adequately discern whether or not you truly are seriously ill with a condition like that and speak with a priest. As well as the elderly are exempt and which by church law starts at the age of 60— Uh, But it should be noted as well that those under the age of fasting are also exempt. Traditionally, for a long time, that was 21. It is now 18 by modern church law, though actually in the Middle Ages it began as early as age 10, and even St. Thomas Aquinas mentions how children under the age of 10 may not be required by their age to fast, but due to their sins and their disposition, because you can sin obviously before age 10, you might be required in in the divine economy really to fast so there's much more information to look at there but those categories are exempt from fasting so pregnant and nursing women especially are exempt from the law of fasting which unfortunately is only two days a year now but abstinence is a is a is a question that more people are asking themselves. And traditionally, no, there is no exemption from abstinence. Pregnant women and nursing women should still observe the law of Friday abstinence. In fact, even abstinence throughout all of Lent, it was traditionally done, um, it should be noted why this is the case: is meat is not required for medical purposes. There is no medical necessity for eating meat. We, can have, we have so many supplements now to help the d- conditions people have. People talk about anemia. People talk about um, nutrients. All of that can be taken through supplements. Meat is not medically required. Meat should not be consumed. I will go to say that those who do eat meat on a Friday who are above the, the age where abstinence starts um, sin very seriously. It is a mortal sin. Um, so uh, please read the article for much more information, including those links to those older catechisms. And finally, topic number four, the last thing I'd like to talk about today— Before I do so, again, I would like to thank CatechismClass.com for sponsoring this episode. Uh, The A Catholic Life podcast is really meant to be a rundown of some recent articles I wrote, as well as links to previous articles I wrote, very relevant for the liturgical year now. I share these often on Twitter on the particular days these different events occur, but the A Catholic Life podcast is a means to give you a little rundown before the week starts of what to look forward to. And again, the last thing I'm talking about is the five holy wounds of our Lord Jesus Christ, a votive feast for Friday after the third Sunday of Lent. Now, the earliest evidence of a feast in honor of the wounds of Christ comes from a monastery in modern-day Germany, where in the 14th century, a feast was kept on the Friday after the octave of Corpus Christi. Now, by the 15th century, it spread to different countries. It spread to Salzburg uh, in um, England. It was in, uh, also found in Spain, Vienna, Tours, included in the breweries of Carmelites, Franciscans, Dominicans, and other orders. Uh, the Feast of the Five Wounds celebrated since the Middle Ages at Avora and elsewhere in Portugal on February 6th, is also of historical interest. It commemorates the founding of the Portuguese kingdom in 1139, when before the Battle of the Plains, Christ appeared to Alfonso Henriquez, promising victory over the Moors and commanding him to insert into the coat of arms of the new kingdom the emblem of the five wounds, that is, the five wounds of our Lord. This feast is still celebrated in all Portuguese-speaking countries. Now, in Venice in 1766... um, There is evidence there of one of the earliest series of movable feasts in honor of Christ's Passion, and that has the Feast of the Five Wounds on the second Sunday in March. It was granted uh, um, subsequently in 1809 uh, to Leghorn for Friday after Ash Wednesday, on which date is still kept in many dioceses in Tuscany and elsewhere like in Mexico, But ultimately, by 1831, when the feasts in honor of the Passion were adopted at Rome by the Passionists in the city, this feast was assigned to Friday after the third Sunday in Lent. The office is one of those bequeathed to us by the Middle Ages, and this feast is not celebrated in the entire church, it should be noted. The office and the Mass subsequently are found in the appendix to the breviary and the missal in the pre-1955 missal. So, that's a, to me a very interesting history of how so many different places are celebrating a special wound, a special uh, feast in honor of the five holy wounds of our Lord. So, this Friday is also a great day to pray the colic from that. You can find a link to that in the show notes, uh, to the propers from that votive feast. And then, this Friday is also a great day to pray the indulged prayer to the cross for Fridays in Lent, something we should also pray as well as the stations of the cross on Fridays. Thank you for listening to the A Catholic Life Podcast. I hope this rundown, which has gone a little bit longer than normal, uh, is helpful to you in your spiritual lives. May all of you have a wonderful St. Patrick's Day, and may we all keep the traditional Catholic fast and abstinence, which underscored Lent, so that we will be able to celebrate with joy the upcoming feast of our Lord's resurrection. God bless. Qui tollis,